Hello and welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast. I am your host, Michael Sherlock. Each one of us holds great potential, and tapping into that potential is my passion and my mission. Shock Your Potential is a global leadership training company dedicated to creating positive, productive, and profitable workplaces. We develop, nurture, train, and guide leaders at all levels and at all points in their career. Through this podcast, I get to interview amazing leaders who are shocking their own potential and the potential of those around them. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com. And don't forget to check out my two best-selling books, Tell Me More, How to Ask the Right Questions and Get the Most Out of Your Employees, and Sales Mixology, Why the Most Potent Sales and Customer Experiences Follow a Recipe for Success. Join us now as we meet another great guest. And don't forget, subscribe, rate, and like us today. Thank you for joining me on yet another episode of Shock Your Potential, my business podcast where I focus on the examples of excellence in business leadership, sales, and the customer experience. Today, my guest is uh, has got a lot of valuable information for any of us that would say that we're busy and maybe perhaps at times unorganized, which could be every single person listening. Come on, I know you know it. Look in the mirror. We all have it. But uh, she's going to help us not only explain what she does, but uh, tell us maybe uh, hopefully a few tips that we can help uh, get the uh, control in some of those areas of our lives. So I'd like to welcome to my episode today, Deborah Levy. Deborah, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so glad to be here. This is going to be a lot of fun. So your business is called A Life That Fits Coaching and Consulting. So tell me and tell us, what does that mean and what do you actually do for a living? Well, I am a certified life coach, a professional organizer, and an interior design specialist, and I help people make time and space for what really matters in their life. And everybody has different parts of their life that work and other areas that don't. And what I help my clients do is to take a look at what type of support and guidance they need to create a life that really, really works for them and gets everything into balance. And that's ultimately, I think, what everybody wants. And, you know, I I always hear this term with people, you know, work-life balance. And so part of that is, you know, the sense of you don't work yourself to death, you know, and you still enjoy your life. But I've always thought that there's even more pieces to that. Because if I walk home and, you know, or I walk into my home and, you know, something's a, a little disorganized or, you know, my office desk is a mess. Thank goodness you can't see it right now. <laughs> there's, by the Friday, it usually looks like this by Monday, it looks good again. But those pieces that can be out of balance in my life affect my ability to feel like I am, you know, professional and I'm in control and things are moving the forward, you know, the way that I want them to do sometimes just by the different physical natures of my home. So I like how you have such an interesting background to not only have, you know, be certified in, and lots of experience in interior design, but how you merge to the physical space of somebody's life as well as the the mental space of their life, I would I would guess. Yeah, I think, you know, there are a lot of components that make up a person's day. You know, everything that they touch, they see, they experience 
it, it all goes towards whether they feel stress or not. When I work with people on their time management or their space or the different parts of their life that they want to fit in, we're trying to look at the whole person and be able to help them feel more productive and, you know, feel happier about their life and their everyday. And especially incorporating their environment as well as their time makes a big difference, I think. And everybody's unique in what they feel is important to them and what they or how they experience their day. Absolutely. So what does kind of the average, maybe there isn't one, but is, what does the average client look like that you work with? What, what things are they coming to you about? Well, it's interesting because they might come to me for one particular aspect and I work both over the phone as well as hands-on, uh, but my business is segueing much more towards the over the phone coaching and consulting. So let's say we might start out with the time management piece because they feel really overwhelmed with their day. They don't know how to fit everything in. They may be rushing a lot. They don't know how to give themselves transition time and so forth. But as I coach them on that and we figure out you know, what their perception is about time and, and what I mean by that is that people think differently about time Absolutely. than others. Yeah. And we, we may also start getting into what is their space like, because as they're trying to figure out the different ways that they might be able to record their appointments or feel, feel more productive, we start getting into what's happening in their, what I call command control area in their home. And that's the area where we get all our mail in and process it and how we keep our to-dos together and What's that space like? What do you feel like when you come into your home? Are you feeling energized? Are you feeling depleted? And then that whole organization and the design and the time management all come together in almost every phone call that I deal with with a client. That makes so much sense. As you were talking, I was thinking about what's unique about uh, this house that I've been in for six years is when I walk in, I always have to trip over the mail because it comes in through a mail slot in the door. And so that always <laughs> oh annoys me, first of all, because I'm tripping over it. But then we don't really have a space where we put the mail. You know, we have a, you walk right in. I mean, we live in a row house, so it's, you know, it's not like you have a, a huge amount of space, but it seems like the mail either ends up on, you know, little coffee tables side to the couch or on the coffee table, or we have you know, a bar in our, you know, bar area in our house. So right there. But I've never thought about it until you said that, that that kind of always makes me feel scattered. Like I, not that I get that much mail anymore. It's usually just junk mail, but then it's junk sitting somewhere rather than doing something with it right away or having it be in one space that I can go to. Yeah. One space is really critical. Even if it's something that's a wall pocket on the wall or something that's hanging or you know a slim side table, it's best to just keep it in one spot until you're ready to deal with it. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. And also I think just in the case with your slot, I do believe that they have baskets that can attach to the door that can actually capture all of that. It well, comes. it would be great, except for it's like at the foot level. So oh if I had that, you're right. Now I'm thinking, we didn't think through this when we had to get a new front door, you know, uh -huh. or I don't know that we had a choice of it or we really even considered it, but you know, you're right. Those are, there are probably solutions. We just kind of put up with it. And every time I walk in the door, I trip over it and you can't close the door until you move it. And <laughs> Right, right. You know, I, I think it's also, like you said, you, you, you're living with it. And what I deal with a lot is that people are in their present situation and they need a new perspective. And that happens whether it's with the life coaching, you know, where they need to get more self-awareness, whether it's about the organizing, about their space, all of a sudden they see it through another set of eyes as I start to ask them questions and we talk about it. 
And I love how you talked earlier about people who feel rushed. And it Im- immediately brought me back to, gosh, my 20s and 30s when I was a young mother, you know, a young child, balancing career, trying to tackle the world. And I was always rushed and I was always late. And I hated that, but I didn't see a way to get out of it. And, you know, just one day I just decided from this day forward, I'm just not going to be late. So, you know, whether it's a phone call, it's a meeting. And if I am um, behind schedule, I always give somebody enough opportunity to know that that's the case and either reschedule with me or, you know, do something. But I always give them the exact parameters because to me, it became unacceptable that that was the way I was living my life. But when I changed that, that one piece alone, my productivity went up, but my sense of peace went up so high, so fast. That's great. Great self-awareness, at least, to find that you saw that there was a problem and be able to come up with a solution for it. Yeah, I just said, I'm not doing it anymore. <laughs> I was yeah, just too yeah. stubborn. <laughs> you know, a part of the problem is that people don't allow themselves transition time. And what I try to work on with, with my clients is to create that little bubble. Mm-hmm. And I heard a great analogy once from uh, an organizer that I truly look up to. Her name is Julie Morgenstern. And that is that the day is like a closet. If you picture a closet, there's a certain amount of space in it. It's just that amount of space. You can't change the size of it. And that each shelf, and this is, I'm adding to the analogy a little bit, Mm -hmm. each shelf is a section of the day. And that if you stuff everything into it, not only can you not see what's in there, but you can't access it well, it's become stressful. So you need to allow a little bit of room in there to be able to grab and take out what you need. Mm -hmm. But then you can also see everything. It you don't waste time buying new things. And the same analogies for a day. You need to allow that space to be able to pack up the things that you need, go to the car, go back to the house to get the thing that you forgot, go back to the car, commute, and so forth. <laughs> it's a great analogy. And it, it actually ties into one of the concepts of my first book uh, that's called Tell Me More on leadership. And and I would say, you know, once you have a problem you have to tackle, you have to consider it like a suitcase that's so full that you have to sit on it in order to you know, close it, that Mm -hmm. that doesn't, that strategy doesn't work. The only way to to make the suitcase work is you've got to step back. You have to take everything out, put them out on the floor, look at it and make decisions. Do I have too much? Do I have just enough? Do I just need to refold it? Do I need a second suitcase? So similar kind of concept of being able to to have the buffers in your life to be able to see clearly Mm -hmm. and not just be in the moment. Great analogy. And, And you know, it starts with that sorting. Yes. Sorting out those pieces and seeing, and, and that's what life coaching is all about is, you know, getting, getting things teased out a bit so that people can see what's, what's going on in their life and then getting clarity and being able to take the steps to move forward. So let me ask you this, because I've always been curious about people that are life coaches and, and I've known a couple of people who have said that they are, but I, frankly, some of them, God love them, aren't people I'd necessarily want to take advice from. <laughs> right. But, right. But I think that um, I also wonder how many people are really willing to uh, to take the steps with somebody, you know, in that life coaching mode. Because I think we're almost hardwired to think, well, we can we can figure things out ourselves, or we can, you know, we can fix issues ourselves. Why would we need somebody else? So, you know, when you have somebody that may have that kind of predisposition, how do you help them break down what your role is and how it can actually positively impact their life? Well, I think first they need to understand what life coaching is about and how it can help a person. And it's a very personal interaction and it is an investment in time and in money. So I I want to start off by saying that they need to be in a healthy, happy place. This is not 
therapy. It's, it's looking at goals and breaking them down into, um, and, and having a process to be able to clearly see what the next steps will be and about having uh, deeper awareness of what's holding them back and so forth, and then accountability, and then learning from what has taken place the next time or not, and then moving forward from that. So when people speak to me about the process and, and so forth, I try to let them know it's more of a collaborative uh, conversation. This is teamwork together that we're working together and that whether they work with a life coach or not, that they need to have support and systems in place, whether it's for their physical needs or their mental needs or whatever, to help them ha be successful. And everybody needs that in place. Yes, absolutely. Uh, just to have the 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 moral or not moral, but the mental and, and emotional support. Yeah, exactly. And uh, the reason why I'm calling my business a life that fits is because I want to empower people to have everything in place to surround them to make life the way it should be for them because everybody's so unique. So it might be that they need a financial coach in place and then they have their loved ones that support them in a different way. And then they have their best friend that they can speak to or whoever needs to be in place there to help them reach their potential. It's about seeing what that framework means for them. And, uh, you know, one of the things I think about is how valuable it is to have somebody who's not, um, not so personally involved in your life who can see things from a perspective that's more objective, that can, you know, help give focus and attention, um, but not also be swayed by sometimes the, the perfect side that we try and show the rest of the world, to be able to have that, that opportunity to expose yourself, you know, and your, the challenges in a really open and honest way. And, and it's funny that you said it's not therapy, um, but I, I guess that was one of the things that I was thinking of. Uh, that it, it kind of parallels the ability to, you know, to really put those challenges out there, face them and come up with solutions, but it's only going to work if somebody is ready to implement the solutions. Yeah. They, they have to be able to trust the life coach that they're speaking with and be able to feel that they are in a safe environment. And that's what I try to provide. And that comes through the conversations and seeing that I'm there to encourage them and not judge them in any way. And that's, that's so super important because they're getting this feedback from all different people in their, in their lives. And to have a safe place where they can really open up and dig deep is, is just so important in the process. It, it really is. And, you know, I'm wondering about, you know, when you have somebody where you're working on their physical space, for instance, and, you know, organizing uh, those, those parts of the lives, how, how, I don't know how I really want to word this, but, you know, I think that I go through phases myself where, okay, everything is clean and completely organized. I mean, I've always got a clean house, but I'm not always the most, uh, you know, I'll, I'll have a messy desk. And I used to always say a messy desk is a sign of a brilliant mind. And I'm trying much harder not to ever have a messy desk because I can see the, the psychological impact that has on me. But I fall back into it. You know, there's times you get busy or you've been gone and, and that extra step to actually put something away, it seems like that's just one thing too many. How, how are you able to help people combat that so that they can stick to a plan beyond when you guys are done working together? First of all, the system has to be really easy. So when I'm working with a client, whether it's over the phone or the hands-on, we're trying to build systems that are, are going to be so easy for them to maintain that it's 
it's just a no-brainer. But the, the real part comes into making that transition time so that let's say if somebody comes into the home and they've got that mail that they're bringing in or whatever workload and so forth is to build in that time to actually put it in a place that they can either process it or do whatever. It's it's building in those um, those parts of the maintaining of it that's going to be really key. So not only is it setting up the system and the space and the proper tools or organizing pieces or whatever it may be, but what happens in those moments when you're rushing in and you just can't take care of it then? We talk about that. We talk about how to come back to that and sort out things. And that's a part of the whole process. So I was thinking as you were speaking that I have a stack of all these trade magazines that I have because I I want to continue to to read what's going on to, you know, benefit from some of the articles and trainings, but I stack them up and I keep thinking in my head, mm-hmm. okay, well now I have them in a pretty stack. So every Monday I'm going to, you know, before I start anything, I'm going to, you know, look through one or read the first 10 pages and I don't do that. <laughs> How do I, mm-hmm. what, what, I don't know, you know, why I continue to uh, not do that. I guess this is going to become my own therapy session, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> for something like that, you know, how can I prompt myself to do that so that I, I gain the benefit, but I also, more importantly, don't have a stack of, you know, trade magazines standing around? Well, you know, first of all, the first question I would ask is, well, what do you think stops you? Like you said, you don't know. So we would explore, <laughs> okay, is it that maybe they're not in the right place? Maybe they're not, you're not allowing yourself enough time. Maybe you're not, maybe you're not getting yourself uh, comfortable enough in a location where you can have your scissors or your computer or your laptop ready. You know, so there's, there's, there's a lot of pieces to that. So it's really taking a look, first of all, even though it's a minute thing, mm-hmm. it can, you know, really enrich your day by, I'm assuming, being able to look through these wonderful publications that you want to, mm-hmm. and then come up with a little bit of a game plan so that we could see, all right, you know what, maybe it's just in the wrong room. Um, maybe I, it needs to be near the breakfast area so that when I'm having my cup of coffee, I grab one of those and it's my relaxed time or, you know, it, maybe it's a different time of the day. You know, we look, we explore what happens. That's a really good point because I have them in a really pretty basket and they're in my office, but right now I can't even see them. So yeah. that's probably out of sight, out of mind, huh? There you go. So your homework <laughs> is to figure out what place you'd actually look at them. I think that's great. And that's probably where I need to have them is right next to the couch where I have my coffee in the morning. And instead of just blindly watching Good Morning America, which is my favorite morning television program, uh, <laughs> that I could also flip through one. And then I know what articles I want to stop and actually read. There hmm. you go. I mean, you know, it's the same process for anything in our life is we, we take a look what's stopping us, what's going to be the ideal situation for it. And then it's, ti- it's tiny little steps most of the time to actually make it work. Beautiful. I love it. Well, so one of the things that I try and ask all my guests is because I focus on excellence and leadership sales and customer experiences and how they relate to what we do and how we operate during the day, I like to ask people, you know, has there been a an example of one of those in your life that you've been the recipient of that has really shocked you and it's really been um, influential on, and hopefully in a positive way, uh, influential on your life, your business, or uh, all of the above? You're saying in terms of uh, leadership? leadership, sales, or customer experience. So I I like to see, you know, because I kind of focus on all three, I like to know when people have said, you know, I've had this great experience and whatever it is, but this is also how I've, I've tried to kind of capture this in my life or my work. And really it's, it's had an impact on me. Yeah. I can think of, uh, 
some circumstances um, back actually in around mid 80s, late 80s, where I was working for an interior design firm in New York City. And I had a design director whose name was Peter Conant. He was an unbelievable person because no matter whether I was a junior designer or if I was an intermediate or so forth, he had this ability to be able to make you feel like you really knew what you were doing, that you had a lot to give to the organization. And no matter how he was wording something, it was always in a way that was positive so that it, even if something had to change or I needed to do something differently, I felt respected and just felt that he saw the value in what I can give over. And I try to incorporate that, whether it's in my personal life or my business life. And I think that that's such a good way to help people feel like that they're, they're, they have value in their own lives. And I'll, I'll never forget that. I love that because it really is about understanding that um, just because somebody has feedback that might be, uh, you know, constructive or that might, you know, not always feel the most positive, that you know that it's coming from a good point and that you do feel valued and respected, which makes you embrace that feedback, you know, good and constructive, all the more, um, holy to your soul. And in other words, you know, you feel like, okay, I can really take this and believe in it, but I can also make sure that I feel like it is, it's a part of me. I love that. You know, I think everybody needs different things at different points, their lives, different points, their day. Some people love what they call the tough love, but that has to be Mm. coming from a real good place, you know, from somebody who really loves you and don't mind being spoken to in a more direct way. And then others Mm -hmm. really need it in a way that you can you can tell that they really value everything and they're doing it in a way that where they're th- they're thoughtful about it so it's so important over when when speaking to someone else is to recognize what do they need to be able to hear that message and yes. he knew what i needed and that's a it's a gift and it's a talent as you know with leaders to be able to find that balance with people and you're right some people need to hear things differently but at the end of the day, I think it's it's about how we are honest and how we have respect for people that, you know, sometimes I always laugh that I've managed uh, and led hundreds and hundreds of people throughout my career, but I didn't realize that um, I had a say, saying. So when I had to give somebody some constructive feedback, I would often say, you know, this is going to be a difficult conversation. If it was something that was, you know, very important in terms of, a, you know, a true change in behavior or outcomes. And I didn't realize I said it until somebody said, oh my gosh, is this going to be a difficult conversation? I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, that's what you always say when we're going to have a tough one that I know <laughs> I don't want to hear. Uh, and I said, oh my God, I didn't know I said that. She goes, but I always know that when you say that, you're coming from a standpoint of making sure that I'm prepared for it because you don't want to blindside me. Oh, so important. That's that's great. And, said, yeah. and that's why I said, I'm like, well, okay, good. I guess I'll keep saying it. <laughs> right, right. At least people have, you know, they know what to expect when you're about to say that. Exactly. Because, you know, uh, and one other just kind of funny story is I remember I was working um, for somebody many, many years ago, and 
he had come along to do kind of a field ride with me for my job. I was in pharmaceutical sales at that time. And, and I'll tell you that whole trip that he was with me, he was, I just felt like I couldn't do anything right. And he was giving me then my performance review and it just seemed like it was just one, you know, just one beating after another. And I was feeling so low. And at the end he said, you know, because of our budget cuts, um, nobody's getting raises uh, this year, but I had enough to give two people raises and you're one of them. And I started laughing because we're sitting in the in the parking lot at the airport where he's going to fly home. And I started laughing. He goes, what's so funny? I said, I feel like you have just been beating me, beating me, beating me, and then just like mm-hmm. brought me roses. Like what? <laughs> we've got to find some sort of balance. And he goes, well, I wasn't beating you. I'm just trying to make you better. And that conversation with me saying, Okay, but we've got to talk about your delivery because you're killing me. Yeah. (laughs) And if you would if you wouldn't have told me that I was going to get a raise, I would have had you get on that airplane and I would have said I need to find a new job. Hmm. Wow. I know, and just powerful. And for him, I remember, you know, how we communicated after that was so different. But what if I would what if I wouldn't have heard that and I wouldn't have had the the strength to say I feel like you're telling me I suck, Hmm. you know, and and how do we communicate and how, you know, sometimes that ability to step back from ourselves and, and really look objectively how we are coming across to others. It's very important, whether it's good or bad. So true. So true. Communication is okay. Absolutely. So as we get near the end today, you know, the other question that I always like to ask people is, you know, knowing what you know now in your life. What advice would you give to uh, the younger, earlier Deborah that would have shocked your potential farther, faster, or just kept you on the path that you've been on? I would really trust in my authentic self. I think that I was always looking to get uh, other people's feedback about what I was doing and going and changing based on what they were saying. And I think that's one of the reasons why I really valued what my design director had to say, because I could be me and it can be okay. And could be really good in that I have a lot of value. And I think that that's such an important thing for young people going into business that they learn from others, but also trust that they have their own gut instincts and be able to um, know that they have a lot of value. I think sometimes I wonder too, and I don't know, you can let me know whether you agree or disagree with this, but sometimes I think that in the world that we live in today, where we're trying to have everything be Instagram perfect, um, that it's hard for people to even accept positive feedback. Because if you know, if you know that part of your life, you're not really authentic, because you're sharing the best of the best, that in your heart of hearts, when somebody gives you a true compliment, and they really mean it, and it is appropriate to you, I think sometimes it's hard for people to accept that and believe it. And to me, that feels like a real gap about our ability to embrace our authentic self. I don't know. What are your thoughts? I think that that is part of it. I think that, you know, we have these conversations that go on in our heads that are messages that come either internally or externally. And, you know, I try to, whether it's for myself or for my clients, get people to see what their true self is like and be able to embrace it and be able to accept when people are giving them good feedback because it's just, it's true. Hopefully it's done in an an authentic way from other people. And if there is criticism coming their way to be able to take it, be able to digest it, glean the parts that really do mean something to them and help them move forward. And yeah, it's a process. And I think that when people become more aware 
of themselves and how they react to what people say, it, it can help them really find a, you know, be happier in their life. Yeah, I, I found myself in the last couple of years trying to just say thank you whenever I get a compliment, because there were times that I would, you know, somebody mm-hmm. would say, oh, thank you, you, you know, or that that was great. And I'll go, yeah, but I did this wrong or, you know, whatever. And I'm like, just say thank you. They gave you a compliment. You know? Right, right. <laughs> just go with it. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I'm a work in progress. Yes. We all are. <laughs> oh, all of us are, aren't we? <laughs> well, so Deborah, because um, you, even though you live in New Jersey, because you're doing so much more work with people on the phone, I would think there'd be fewer barriers to having somebody have to be geographically aligned to you to make use of your services. Absolutely. Yeah, I can work with anybody anywhere in the world. So Deborah, for um, anybody who wants to get in touch with you, I know that right now you're in the process of making some changes to your website. So when we have that um, fully up and running, we'll have that with the show notes. But what's one way that somebody can get in touch with you right now? They can reach me by phone at 732-688-3060. And I'd be so happy to speak with them. Wonderful. And that does mean that don't just call her because uh, you want to sell her something. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, because I have to manage my own time as well. (laughs) Exactly. I know people always laugh at me when my phone rings. And I say, you know, if I'm not expecting a call and I don't know who the number is, I let it go to voicemail. Because that way I can plan for whomever called. Or if it's a telemarketer, then I can choose whether or not I'm going to respond to it. Oh, that's terrific. (laughs) <laughs> it's my own in the in the age of no um when when you used to uh screen your calls when they came through on your uh your yeah, recorder you know in your home yeah things that we don't have anymore now my way of screening it is just letting it go to voicemail if they don't leave a message they didn't want to talk to me anyway <laughs> you know it, and it's so much about creating healthy boundaries so you created a yes. healthy boundary that allows you time to be able to process and do what you need to do Yes, absolutely. And, you know, just uh, another side note to that is, you know, when I um, was uh, in the last positions that I had, I was VP of sales, managing hundreds and hundreds of people and hundreds and hundreds of locations of retail stores. Whenever people would call me, they would always say, I'm sorry, I know you're busy. And I finally trained my team to understand if I'm too busy, I won't pick up the phone. Mm -hmm. And I will only call you back when I have time. So the fact that I answered your call and I know it was you, I want you to recognize that that's because I value this time with you and I have time for you. So don't apologize. You know, that's what my job is. Mm -hmm. And eventually it got through to people. I don't want you to ever apologize for me being busy. I want you to feel like if I have my attention with you, my attention is with you and I choose that. So let's make the most of it. I really appreciate that. And I know that when someone calls me and they say to me, I would like to be able to do this. Do you have a few moments right now? Mm -hmm. I really enjoy that too, because that way they are being respectful of my time. And then I can say, you know what? I want to be able to focus my attention on you. I I don't have it right now. Can we speak, speak another time and so forth? So I really respect that. Absolutely. And I think that that's it. It's all of us setting boundaries, but also respecting other boundaries. And that way our communication is so much more effective. And it's great to be able to say, I really want to give you the time and attention you deserve. So let's find a time that works for both of our schedules. That's right. Absolutely. Deborah, it was a pleasure having you on today. I think that uh, it's, it's wonderful to hear about what you do because I can see how it changes people's lives. So I really appreciate you sharing your wisdom and, and also a few tips with me today. Thank you so much for allowing me on your podcast. I really enjoyed it. Absolutely. Any last words of wisdom you want to share with my audience before we wrap up? That they should embrace their authentic self and be able to create for themselves a life that fits. 
I love it. That's perfect. Thank you for joining me again. And I look forward to talking to you again in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and like our podcast. And for more information, find us at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com.